Hare Krishna. <clears throat> Welcome everyone. Part three of Rasa Panchanyaya. <clears throat> Today we'll discuss chapter 30. Today we will discuss chapter 30. Mm. The Song of the Gopis. <clears throat> the, known as the Gopi Gita. <clears throat> so, Mangala Charana. Oh, oh, Maganat Madandasya. Jnananjana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmai shri gurave shri chaitanya manobhishtam stabhitam yena bhutale svayam rupa kadamahyam dadati svapadantikam vandeham shri guru Shri Yutta Parakamalam, Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha, Shri Rupam Sagrajatam, Sagana Raganatang Vitam, Tam Sajivam, Sadvaitam Savadutam, Parijana Sahitam, Krishna Chaitanya Devam, Shri Radha Krishna Padan, Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nevishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshatarini Vancha Kalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha He Krishna Karana Sindhu Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha, Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namostute, Tapta Kanchana Gorangi, Radhe Vrindavaneshwari, Rishabhanu Sute Devi, Pranamami Hari Priye, Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shiva Sadi Gora Bhaktavinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo 
Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narottamam Deving Sarasvating Vyasam Tato Jayamudiraye Nashta Prayeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtiki Srimat Bhagavatam Puranam Amalam Yat Vaishnavanam Priyam Yasmit Yasmin Paramahansyam Ekam Amalam Gyanam Param Giyate Tatra Gyana Viraga Bhakti Sahitam Naishkarmyama Vishkritam Tatshinvan Supatan Vicharanaparo Bhaktiavi Mutshenaraha Srimad Bhagavatam Krantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai um, Let's see if I can hear you um, Don't know if this is working Can somebody say something so I can just check if my earphones are working Yes Okay <laughs> All is all is functioning well. Good. Okay, so uh, let us proceed. I believe we had uh, two, maybe even three devotees wanting to comment something or ask something uh, related to the previous chapter, the Gopis' search for Krishna. We recall that they've been searching, 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 and they have not found Krishna. And now they have retired to the bank of the Yamuna, Kalindi, uh, because the, the moonlight in the dense forest, as they got apparently into more and more dense part of the forest, became... Mm, invisible the the light was no longer there and so they were um, they retreated we can say to the yamuna where they sit down and in the very last verse of the previous chapter it says the gopis again came to the bank of the kalindi meditating on krishna and eagerly hoping he would come they sat down together to sing of him. Uh, so they haven't given up hope. Uh, they, in their efforts, their initial efforts did not uh, bring results as they were hoping. But uh, this doesn't mean that they gave up hope. So right there we may, may have a lesson for ourselves. Uh, we make endeavors, we pursue 
our practice of bhakti, Krishna seva, and we are anticipating, hoping for something, uh, someone. Ultimately, we're we want to see Krishna. We want to feel blessed. We want to feel the blessings of Krishna. But sometimes we may not feel that. Prabhupada many times said uh, we should never be discouraged. Uh, the word discourage in English, of course, comes from the word courage. Um, although it's not exactly the opposite of courage, generally it's not seen that way, but it could be taken that way. Loss of courage. And what is courage? It's a readiness, we may say, to act, possibly to, to speak, despite, well, despite some danger, or at least despite some uncertainty. Uh, it's, uh, it has to do with taking risk, often. So to be discouraged is to kind of retreat and say, well, I made this attempt and it was not successful, so I will give up. Uh, this becomes, can, can become apathy, a sort of opposite reaction. Oh, anyway, I don't care. Hmm. I don't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care what what happens anymore. I will just uh, retreat into my frustration or whatever. But that's not the way of the gopis. They have uh, by no means given up hope. Rather, they're going to sit down and sing. Mm. And they're going to address their singing directly to Krishna, suggesting, I would say, that they understand that Krishna is actually present with them. Otherwise, if he's somewhere far away in the forest, too far away to hear what they're singing, that would be pointless. But they are addressing Krishna with some understanding that Krishna is listening. Which is another, perhaps, related point for us. Uh, our prayers, if our prayers are sincere, if our mm, submissions to Krishna are sincere, we may understand that Krishna is hearing, Krishna is attentive. Krishna is the primordially attentive Lord of all of all beings who may be able to give attention uh, to anything. He is the original giver of attention. And he, of course, he's also Yogeshvara. Yatra Yogeshvaro Krishna Yatra Partha Danur Dharat. 
Tatra Shri Vijayo Bhutir Dhruva Nitir Matir Mama. So Yogeshvara is he's the master of yogis. Actually, it's Yoga Ishvara. So he's the master of yoga. Otherwise, it would be Yogeshvara. Yogeshvara, I believe. So he's a master of yoga, and what is yoga about? Classical yoga is about uh, learning to concentrate the mind to keep it fixed. So Krishna has no problem to keep his attention on us when we address him with feeling. Right, so... uh, before we proceed, who who was having a comment yesterday before we finished? Can I ask? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. In text number 37, uh, it is written how Radharani became proud and she asked Krishna to carry him, carry her on his shoulders. Mm. But we find uh, also in I was reading through Anvindavan Champu, where the actual reason why Radharani asked Krishna to carry him on her, uh, sorry, carry her on his shoulders is that she was feeling very compassionate that all the gopis are searching for Krishna and the way we are moving is very fast. If I uh, sit on the shoulders of Krishna, then gopis may perhaps catch us. So it was an act of compassion rather than an act of pride. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, in that sense, that is uh, Bhagavatam try to trying to teach us some lessons that we should not become proud, or is it an expression of some type of love which Radharani has when uh, Bhagavatam is saying it's pride? So, what is exactly uh, the reason why Bhagavatam has written it as a pride in the heart of Radharani? Mm-hmm. Because we also understand that she is not a Jivatattva, she is a Latini potency of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So no possibility for her to, her to become victim of uh, pride. Yeah. Well, like so many such cases, I don't think it's either or. I think it's more both and. Mm. Kavi Karnapura's explanation is mm, enriches our understanding. We could also say, though, I mean, we can imagine, I would say, that one could be simultaneously feeling some pride and feeling, well, let's help the other gopis to see us. Mm. Indeed, one could say, yeah, I'm so, I'm so special I'm going to show to all the other gopis how special I am. So I'm going to climb on Krishna's shoulder, shoulders and then they will see me and they will think, oh, look at her. <laughs> so it could be both. But as he said, uh, Sri Radha is not she she is not uh, jiva tattva she is the ladini shakti of the lord 
So where's the question of having something like this, some kind of pride or whatever? And of course, we know she has 25 transcendental qualities, and uh, among them are certainly pridelessness and perfection in all respects. Um, and I think we could say this is where we get a sort of uh, junk, a, a conjunction or a, maybe a split between on the one side tattva and on the other side rasa. Uh, of course, especially the uh, rasa panchadhyaya are about rasa. It's, it's a rasa dance and it's kind of the, the whirl of the lotus of the Bhagavatam's exploration of rasa. Uh, and so we may want to say that the, the greater emphasis is on rasa. And in that greater emphasis, uh, the, the situation, the dramatic element is intensified uh, by Krishna disappearing. And Krishna has to have a reason to disappear, right? Why would he disappear if it weren't because he detects, detects uh, pride? Why would he disappear? Or well, we could say he doesn't. There doesn't have to be pride, but he could disappear anyway, just because he is the supreme independent Lord, and now he feels like disappearing, so that the gopis will feel uh, an intensification of their longing for him. That's also a possibility. I would say we'd have to look at what other uh, commentators say. And maybe we can do that. If you can remember this point, we may look, um, revisit this next, next week when we look more at commentaries. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, Hema Gopi Prabhvi. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Um, yesterday I was, um, we were talking whether Rasa Leela was happening because uh, Krishna wanted it or because gopis wanted it. Okay, yes. And, uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to put this question, if gopis wanted Rasa Leela, and if Krishna did not want, will gopis still have a desire to do that dance? And if they still had the desire, Krishna, of course, will oblige. And that means that gopis have a desire separate from Krishna's desire. And if, if gopis wanted to dance and Krishna did not want to dance, and if gopis, in spite of that desire to dance, do not dance, then that means gopis' desire is only there to serve Krishna's desire. They don't have any separate desires apart from what is Krishna's desire. 
So I wanted to just share it as a comment <laughs> that this might act as some kind of guideline. I, I mean, I, I don't understand the, how mm. would the, what will be the result and all, but um, that is some way of understanding whether or not it is their desire. I just wanted to share that much. Thank, Thank you. So, so your conclusion is it's... It's a combination. Both are desiring. Is that your conclusion? The, the conclusion was, if gopis will dance, if we put the condition that Krishna does not want to dance, mm -hmm. and if gopis go ahead and, and Rasalila dance happens because Krishna fulfills their desire, mm. and that means gopis will have a desire independent of Krishna's. Mm. Krishna doesn't want to dance and gopis have a desire to dance but they choose not to dance because it's not Krishna's desire that means their gopis desire is only to fulfill whatever Krishna desires they don't have anything individual as a desire for them mm. I always had this impression that they are special because of that particular nature they have they that don't ask anything to Krishna they, so I just want to. they only desire to please Krishna. Yeah, um, well, it's an interesting way you put it as a kind of hypothetical, hypothetical situation, which in a way is very difficult to imagine because, of course, we know um, the desire was mutual, really. Uh, it was a perfect m match, you can say. And and because from a perspective of tattva, uh, the gopis are all mm, ladini shakti within the swarupa shakti of the Lord. So there's this difference, non-difference situation of energy and energetic. Uh, and so I think what we maybe want to look at is sense of mm, perfect complementarity. There's a perfect complement of, of desire and reciprocation such that it's always expanding. Anandam buddhivardhanam. It's always expanding because of this perfect fit, so to say, of uh, the Supreme Lord and his internal potencies. And yoga maya makes sure, <laughs> yoga maya makes sure that everything is coordinated in just the right way. Uh, she makes sure that uh, just the right, mm, the right ingredients for rasa are present uh, to enhance uh, the experience. She is the most, yoga maya is, uh, yeah, we always say, we understand that Shimati Radharani is the best of cooks. In some sense, yoga maya is also the best of cooks because she can coordinate everything with just the right spicing, you can say, for 
for for Lila. We might say something similar about Vrinda Devi. She's also coordinating things. Uh, she is kind of the behind-the-scenes manager uh, on the stage of Vrindavan. Hmm. Hare Krishna. Bhimala Prasad Prabhu. Uh, Hare Krishna, that was precisely what, like, where we left yesterday. Hmm. Uh, the idea, my idea, my understanding was also the similar that in terms of tattva, it goes closer to what Hema Gopi Mataji is saying. Mm-hmm. But in terms of rasa, so it's like Krishna also has, like Krishna also has a desire to fulfill the desire of the devotees yeah. so from that side. And from this side, the devotees, like the like Prabhupada mentions, I, I forget the exact quote, but I'm paraphrasing. He says that it's not that the devotees do not have an individuality. Hmm. Everybody has an individuality, but that individuality is subservient to the individuality of Krishna. That's what this submission and surrender means. And hmm. that's why we submit our desires in pursuance to the desire of Krishna. So that hmm. is from the Tattva point of view, and from the Murasa point of view, it's like Krishna wants to be the servant of his servants. Yeah. So in that sense, like that, that's the whole spectrum, like 360 degree thing. <laughs> That's what my understanding is. <laughs> yeah. We, we speak often of reciprocation uh, uh, when we think what is, what is, when we say person, personality, um, personal relationship, we are understanding it's about reciprocation. Ye yatamang prapadyante tang sadaiva bajam tataiva bajam yaham. And um, if we then factor in this notion of uh, rasa expanding, then, I don't know, maybe because my father was a uh, mechanical engineer, but I think of a motor. So there's, there's impulse coming and it it keeps turning because there's a back and forth, as I remember, uh, of, of the uh, electrical field, whatever. So <laughs> uh, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's Krishna want, wants to please his devotees, the devotees want to please Krishna, who want to please the devotees, who want to please Krishna. <laughs> And it just, uh, it spirals in that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anantagor Sundar Prabhu. Uh, Maharaj, let us say if you take the analogy of a drama, then mm-hmm. with Devi and uh, Yogmaya, what would be their cohesions in the drama? Oh, it, it, we're speaking specifically of uh, the Rasa Leela. Rasa Leela and other places also. <clears throat> we find uh, Vrinda Devi doing management and yeah. Yuga Maya also has a participation. But exactly what is the difference between the roles in, a, in the whole drama? Oh, uh, this is going over my head. I would just say they are 
behind the scenes. Um, one of them may be the stage manager, <laughs> if we use this analogy. Uh, and Yoga Maya is what? The producer? I don't know. <laughs> the producer of the show? The director? <clears throat> um, what is the technical term? Some of you may know from Natya Shastra, uh, the director. He often comes on with his jokester in the beginning of the drama. That's Vidushaka. The Vidushaka is the jokester. And what's, jester, yeah, the jester. The jester. And what's the name of the director? The, ter, uh, the technical term. Anyway, Darshak. The Darshak. Is it Narkadha? Huh? Is it Narkadha? I don't know. Bhagavan is there. Nato Narkadha. Okay. Sutradha. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Sutradha. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, mm. there's the Sutradha, there's the Vidushaka. Of course, in much of Krishna Lila, the Vidushaka seems to be Madhumangala, isn't it? Uh, in some other Lila's, not some, I don't know, yeah, in the 10th, in other cantos, Narada might be considered a kind of Vidushaka, but he is a special sort of, of course, he's also, he's Narada, he's a great teacher. Uh, okay. Was there something more, Anantagora? You have your hand uh, still up. No, no, no Maharaj. Okay. Just your hand, your, yeah. Okay, so uh, I think we could proceed with today's chapter. And I want to suggest that... Uh, each devotee reading, just read two verses. And um, it's a short chapter. It's 19 verses altogether. And the first 18 of them are in a special meter called uh, Raja Hamsi. Raja Hamsi, uh, it's also called Bhushana, apparently. And they have this kind of sweet, bouncing rhythm to them. <clears throat> this is a, a species of tree stoop, according to Garuda Brahmu in his book. Uh, so the first verse is Gopya Uchuhu Jayati Te Dikam Janmanavraja Shrayata Indira Shashvadatrahi Dieta Drishyatam Dikshutavakas Tvaidritasavas Tvamvichinvate. So they all have that uh, kind of a, a meter. Um, I'll just read the first verse. The gopis said, O beloved, your birth in the land of Raja has made it exceedingly glorious. And thus Indira, the goddess of fortune, always resides here. 
It is only for your sake that we, your devoted servants, maintain our lives. We have been searching everywhere for you, so please show yourself to us. Now this is going to be uh, the sort of recurring theme in this song. Please show yourself to us. And we can say they're giving reasons why Krishna should so show himself uh, to them. And in the process, of course, they're praising Krishna, they're glorifying him. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, let's kind of uh, zoom through more or less. Who wants to read the next two verses? Can I mark it? Actually, yes, but I wanted, to, I forgot, I wanted to say, please, uh, some of you who are not, who haven't been reading yet, please also uh, feel free to volunteer. Uh, but yes, go ahead. And if you like, you can also read uh, the, uh, the Sanskrit. Yes, Maharaj. Sharadudasaye sadhujatasat Sarasi Jodhara Shri Mrushadrisha Suratanatate Shulkadasika Varadaniknato Nehakimvada O Lord of Love, in beauty your glance excel the whole of the finest, most perfectly formed lotus within the autumn pond. O bestower of benedictions, you are killing the maidservants who have given themselves to you freely without any praise, without any prize. Isn't this murder? Vishajalapayat Vyalarakshasat Varshamarutat Vaidya Vaidyutanalat Vrushamayat Majat Vishvato Bayat Rushabate Vayam Rakshita Muhu O greatest of personality, you have repeatedly saved us from all kinds of danger, from poison water, from the terrible man-eater Aga, from the great rains, from the wind demon from the fairy thunderbolt of Indra, from the bull demon, and from the son of Maya Dhanava. Thank you, Maharaj. Hmm. Uh, thank you. There's uh, a kind of technical point in the short purport to this verse number three that's worth noting. Um, because they mention Arishta and Vyoma. Arishtasura, Vyomasura, uh, who have not yet appeared in Vrindavan. So, question can come, how is this? How do they know about them? They know, uh, one possibility is because they, they have heard from Gargamuni. Hmm. Uh, and there's another reason given, which I don't remember now, but... Uh, that's one explanation. So, of course, we can also understand Krishna's pastimes are eternal, 
they're always going on. Rasa dance is going on as we speak. Also, the killing of Agasura, Vyomasura is going on as we speak <laughs> somewhere. Uh, so their, their song is beyond time, would be one, one way of understanding. Um, let's see. They make quite some uh, accusation in verse number two. <clears throat> they say, isn't this murder, Kim Vada? <laughs> uh, the word in English, murder, is, that's a very heavy word. Uh, you're murdering us. It's even stronger than you are killing us. Uh, yeah, murder. Murder is, that's, that's criminal, serious, serious criminal activity. <laughs> and uh, that word is being used in translation. Um, I want to look at Garuda Prabhu's translation also, but I want to go through the chapter first and then we'll see how we go with time. Uh, okay. Um, next two verses. Could I read Maharaj? Please. Nakal Gopika Nandano Bhavan Akila Dehina Mantarat Madre Vikashanartito Vishwagupta Ye you're actually not the son of Gopi Yashoda or friend, but rather the indwelling witness in the hearts of all embodied souls. Because Lord Brahma prayed for you to come and protect the universe, you have now appeared in the Satvata dynasty. Virachita Bhrayam Rishniduryate Charanami Yusham Samshater Bhayat Karasaroruham Kantaka Madam Siraside Hina Shrikaragraham. O best of Rishnis, your lotus like hand, which holds the hand of the goddess of fortune, grants fearlessness to those who approach your feet out of fear of mental existence. O lover, Please place that wish-fulfilling lotus hand on our heads. Mm. Okay, the hand, uh, lotus hand of Krishna uh, is going to be mentioned later again, uh, as I remember. Um, now, just briefly, uh, verse number four, the Lord is identified as Antaratmadrik. Uh, the, the seer of the inner consciousness, uh, which then in the verse is translated as the witness in the hearts of all embodied souls. Um, one point that Garuda makes in his discussion of uh, these chapters of this chapter in particular, which I think found helpful, is there are kind of two 
two emotions which are going back and forth in the course of uh, this chapter. One is intense emotion of love. I think he uses the word passion. We may want to say transcendental passion. They want to be with Krishna. And, and that's, you know, when they describe Krishna's sweetness and so on. But then when they, sometimes they're, refer, they're pointing out that Krishna is the Supreme Lord. Uh, or here he is Paramatma, he is uh, Antaratma Drik. So it's more tattva, it's more theology. Um, when they speak like this, they're expressing their humility. They're, they're showing their awareness of who is Krishna and in doing so, they're showing their humility. And we can go a step further and say, because th their hope is, uh, because all of this is pervaded by hope, they want to see Krishna, that if they can now show their humility, before the problem was their pride. Because of their pride, Krishna disappeared. So now they're saying, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we understand. You are the Supreme Lord, and we are your eternal, uh, very, very tiny servants. Uh, that Krishna may be convinced uh, that they are now again qualified to have his darshan. Okay, verses... Six and seven. Please go ahead, Divilila Mataji. Thank you. Brajajanarti Han Vira Yoshita Nijajanas Maya Dvamsana Smita Bhajasake Bhava Kinkaris Mano Jalaruhananam Charu Darshaya. O you who destroy the suffering of Raja's people, O hero of all women, your smile shatters the false pride of your devotees. Please, dear friend, accept us as your maidservants and show us your beautiful lotus face. Pranata Dehinam Papakarshanam Trinucharanugam Sheniketanam Panipanatitam te padambujam krunukucheshuna krundihruchayam. Your lotus feet destroy the past sins of all embodied souls who surrender to them. Those feet follow after the cows in the pastures and are the eternal abode of the goddess of fortune. Since you once put those feet on the hoods of the great serpent Kaliya, please place them upon our breast and tear away the lust in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Okay, very, very nice. Um, one phrase in verse 6 uh, strikes me in particular, the second line, Nija Janasmaya Dvang Sanasmita. 
Uh, one point is just that, uh, just see, that there are several. This is one example of a samasa, a compound, which is, it's one compound, the entire line. And it's also evocative. It's addressing Krishna uh, as smita, oh, you who smile, <laughs> and what kind of a smile is this? It's a destructive smile, dvangs, dvangsana. Uh, your smile is dangerous. <laughs> uh, but it's destructive in a good way. What is it destroying? Smaya, it's destroying pride. And whose pride is it destroying? Nijajana, the pride of your own people. So this is an interesting point because why did Krishna leave? He left because of pride. Now they're wanting him to return. And in effect, they're saying, if there's any tinge of pride remaining in us, rest assured, we know it's going to be destroyed by your smile. But right now we don't see your smile. Uh, and so there could be, you know, a little bit of pride left in us. But please, you come and we know that your smile is going to destroy any remaining pride. <laughs> So that's nice. In verse 7, uh, there's more destruction. <laughs> uh, good destruction. What is it? It's the destruction of past sins, papakarsanam, <clears throat> uh, of pranatadehinam, of all embodied souls surrendered to the Lord. Um, how does this destruction happen? Uh, trina charana charanugam. Mm, let's see. Uh, it's it's by the Lord's feet, the touch of the Lord's feet. There's going to be a lot about the Lord's lotus feet in these prayers, and. But there's something specific about his feet in this verse, which is going to appear later again. At the very end, he says, Krinu kucheshu naha krindhi ritchayam. <clears throat> Please cut away the lust in our hearts uh, by placing your lotus feet on our breasts. So the gopis have, may have had one problem, namely pride. Now they're declaring we have another problem, and that is we have great desire. And I don't remember, but somewhere I, it may say uh, that they're feeling burning from this desire. And the only cure, also the idea of medicine comes... The only cure is for you to come 
and touch us with your lotus feet. So we have a problem and you are the only solution. Mm. Yeah. Now we could, if we have time, maybe next week, uh, revisit uh, the pastime of Krishna dancing on the hoods of Kaliya. Because there, uh, after he's completed the dance, the wives of Kaliya offer prayers. And they are expressing their amazement, their astonishment. Uh, it's simply incredible that Kaliya has received such mercy that Krishna is dancing, putting his feet on their heads. And the, uh, the wives want to know, how did he become so qualified? What did he do to get this mercy? What did he do to, um, because, you know, even Mother Lakshmi does not receive uh, the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu on her head. She is massaging his feet, right? Mm. And the demigods, they don't get, nobody gets the lotus feet of Krishna on their heads. But Kaliya, this nasty, horrible, multi-headed, uh, poisonous snake, is getting... So why is that? How is that possible? So the gopis are remembering. And they're, they're also making a kind of logical connection. Our breasts are comparable to the heads of Kaliya. Kaliya was hot-headed. We are hot-breasted, so to say. <laughs> Therefore, we need the same treatment. Um, okay. Jalangi Devi, do you want to read the next two verses? Yes, Maharaj. Thank you. Madhuraya gira valgu vakhyaya Kudamanogaya Pushkarikshana Vidikarima Viramuhyati Adharasiduna Hyaya Swana O Lotus Eyed One, your sweet voice and charming words, which attract the minds of the intelligent, are bewildering us more and more. Our dear hero, Please revive your maidservants with the nectar of your lips. Tavakatamirtam tapta jivanam kaviviriditam kalmashapaham shravanamangalam shrimadatatam bhuvigrinantiye the nectar of your words and the descriptions of your activities are the life and soul of those suffering in this material world. These narrations, transmitted by learned sages, 
eradicate one's sinful reactions and, and bestow good fortune upon whoever hears them. These narrations are broadcast all over the world and are filled with the spiritual power. Certainly, those who spread the message of Godhead are most munificent. Mm-hmm. This verse number nine is also our um, shloka we have to memorize. Yes, it's a famous, famous verse. And I think we will want to spend some more time with it uh, because it's, it's very significant. As is mentioned here in the purport, uh, this is a verse that's recited by King Prataparudra that inspires Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to jump up and shout, <laughs> uh, saying, Burida, Burida. <laughs> he, he's uh, very pleased that the king recites this verse. And uh, yeah, we have an extensive commentary to that from Srila Prabhupada in Chaitanya Charitamrita we could look at. Um, just a note uh, I found interesting in the previous verse, verse 8, is that uh, the gopis refer to themselves as vidhi karihi, uh, translated here as maidservants, um, literally performers, karihi, of vidhi. And vidhi often means rules, uh, regulations. It's uh, sometimes coupled with the word nishedha. Uh, Things to be done are vidhi, and things not to be done are nishedha. Mm. I, I always remember seeing the signs, the Bengali signs in Mayapur, in the gardens, uh, saying dum pan nished. <laughs> so vidhi nished. Mm. So the gopis are uh, vidhi kari. Uh, they are doers of of uh, of rules, if you like, or doers of whatever is ordered. Uh, Vidhi in general can also just refer to that which is to be done. So uh, the particular verb form in Sanskrit uh, called Vidhi Lean is that form of a verb uh, which is giving a kind of command in the form usually of a regulation, often connected with or found in Dharma Shastra. It's not the imperative form. The imperative is mm, even stronger, uh, generally, although it can also be used as an invitation. Um, but it's a it's a kind of imperative, I would say, that is dependent on whether or not you want the particular result that's being offered by doing the regulation. Mm. So it's also can be a kind of invitation. If you like to, you know, 
If you want to go back home, back to Godhead, then do like this. Tatvigyanartam sagarun eva abhigat That abhigat chet, Prabhupada in at least one lecture says, you must, you must approach a, gu a guru. Well, yes, you must approach a guru, but only if you have a pur the purpose of uh, gaining the uh, the result of approaching a guru, to be enlightened, uh, uh, spiritually directed by the guru. Otherwise, don't approach a guru. Approaching a guru is not for everyone. It's only for those who are ready to take the uh, direction, the instruction, the guidance of the guru. So that's the vidhi lean. And here they refer to themselves as vidhi kari. Smartavya satatam vishnor vismartavyo najatuchit sarve vidhi nishedha syur Etayoreva kinkara, kinkara. Yeah. So another word, another uh, similar term is kinkara, which literally means a doer of what. One asks the question, "What should I do?" Kinkara, kinkaromi. What or uh, yeah? What would it be? What shall I do? So kinkara. And in South India, especially in the Sri Vaishnava, they speak of kainkarya, the attitude of the devotee always ready to uh, to serve, to do the wish of the master. Okay, verse 10, who wants to read... Okay. Nadia Bihari Prabhu. Rahasitam Priya Prema Vikshanam Viharanam Jate Yanamangalam Rahasisam Vido Yahridis Prisha Uhakano your smiles, your sweet, loving glances, the intimate pastimes and fun, confidential talks we enjoyed with you, all these are auspicious to meditate upon, and they touch our hearts. But at the same time, O oh deceiver, they very much agitate our minds. Jealousy yad braja charayan pashun nalina sundaram Natate padam Shilatrinan Purai Sidatina Kalilatamana Kantagachati. Dear Master, dear lover, when you leave the cowherd village to herd the cows, our minds are disturbed with the thought that your feet, more beautiful than a lotus, will be pricked by the spiked husks of grain and the rough grass and plants. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, what strikes me in verse number 10 is they're addressing Krishna as kuhaka. 
Where else do you find this word kuhaka in the Bhagavatam? Can anyone say? Yes. Yes, the very first verse, the last line. Damna, what is it? Kuhakam satyam param dimahi. We'd have to look how Srila Prabhupada translates it there, but Damna Svena Sadanirasta Kuhakam Satyam Param. So, but here it's translated as O cheater or O deceiver. Um, in the last verse of the Shikshastaka, Ashli Shiva Pararatang Pinashtumam. Adarshanang marmahatam karotuva yatatava vidadatu lampata mat prananatastu sa evanapara lampata. Lampata is sometimes translated as with the French word debauchee, uh, debauche, uh, one who chases women. <laughs> so this is Shimati Radharani speaking to Krishna and saying, you are mine, I don't care what you do with me, you rascal. <laughs> so similarly, it's like that here. Rahasi samvido ya prisha kuhaka namana kshobayantihi. Um Yeah, it's kind of like, you rascal, uh, but you have really disturbed us. Kshobayanti. Kshobayanti uh, would be a causative verb, uh, meaning it is mm, uh, their disturbance, they are caused to be disturbed. Mm. Again, it's the smiles. <laughs> the smiles have a certain... The smiles of the Lord are problematic. <laughs> it's... Uh, they want to get the nectar of Krishna, and at the same time, they're so disturbed. Uh, they want to be pacified. At the same time, they want to be uh, further disturbed by Krishna's beauty and then there's this sudden uh, it seems to me a kind of sudden change in mood with verse number 11 um, because now they're expressing concern about uh, Krishna's well-being up till now they've just been uh, expressing their own problems, their own disturbance. Now suddenly they're concerned about Krishna's welfare, uh, that his feet are going to be cut uh, by the uh, grain and the rough grass and plants on the ground. Okay, 
there may be some explanation for this. Let's see. Verse 12, who wants to read 12 and 13? Uh, yes, Narutam. Dina Parikshaye Nila Kondalair Vanaruhananam Bimrahad Avritam Gana Rajasvalam Darasayan Muhur Manasinasmaram Virayatschasi. At the end of the day, you repeatedly show us your lotus face covered with dark blue locks of hair and thickly powdered with dust. Thus, O oh hero, you arose lusty desires in our minds. <clears throat> Pranatakamadam Padmajarchitam Darani Mandalam Gheyamapadi Charanapankajam Shantamam Chate your lotus feet, which are worshipped by Lord Brahma, who feel the desires of all who bow down to them. They are the ornament, the ornament of the earth. They give the highest satisfaction. And in times of danger, they are the appropriate object of meditation. A lover or destroyer of anxiety, please put those lotus feet upon our breasts. Okay, that same same request we got in uh, what was it first? Uh, one of the previous verses. Okay. Uh, Ah, Maharaj, sorry. Mm -hmm. It says blue, blue, dark blue locks of hair. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, usually we hear that he has black hair or... Ah, sometimes very dark black hair can have a bluish sheen to it, isn't it? So maybe in that sense. But again, we'll have to see if we get any commentary for that. Uh, I think it's interesting that they address Krishna in verse 12 as vira, as hero. Um, why is that interesting? Well, from a perspective of classical rasa theory, um, there's... Often, you know, heroism uh, portrayed on the stage. But uh, he, here, this is the, the, the wider context. This is the Rasa Lila. And Rad, Rasa Lila is all about Madhurya. And we might not generally think of Madhurya uh, loving affairs as using the word vira. So, what's going on here? Um, it might seem like someone might say, oh, isn't that rasa basa? Well, it's not rasa basa, the commentators explain. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not. <laughs> I think it's Jiva Goswami says, don't worry, it's not 
it's not overlapping. Uh, they are kept kept distinct, something like that. Uh, okay, uh, verse 14 and 15. Uh, who else? Please. Surata Vardana, Shoka Nashana, Swarita Veduna, Shushtutum Bita, Itara Ragavas, Marana Brana, Vitara Viranas, De Adabrata. O hero, kindly distribute to us the nectar of your lips, which enhances conjugal pleasure and vanquishes grief. That nectar is thoroughly relished by your vibrating flute and makes people forget any other attachment. When you go off to the forest during the day, a tiny fraction of a second becomes like a millennium for us because we cannot see you. And even when we can eagerly look upon your beautiful face, so lovely with its adornment of curly locks, our pleasure is hindered by our eyelids, which are fashioned by the foolish creator. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> in, uh, in English, at least in America, this uh, comment about the creator, the foolish creator, would be called a side swipe. Um, you want to, you're, you're speaking to someone about whatever topic, and you want to criticize someone else who is maybe present. Uh, so, but you want to do it in such a way as not to get in big confrontation. You just want to, you know throw something nasty to the side. <laughs> so it seems like that's what the gopis are doing here. There's a kind of a nasty sideswipe to Lord Brahma. This foolish Brahma, what does he do? He makes the eyelids uh, so that we have to blink and then we don't see you for a moment. <laughs> um Let's read Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary to verse number 14. It's not too long, and he's expanding a little into a conversation. Uh, anyone want to read this? Yes, Maharaj. Yes, Ramakrishna. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti's charming commentary on this verse is in the form of a dialogue between the gopis and Krishna. The gopis say, O oh Krishna, you exactly resemble Dhanvantri, the best of the physicians. So please give us some medicine, for we are suffering from the disease of romantic desire for you. Don't hesitate to give us the medicinal nectar of your lips freely, without our paying a substantial price. Since you are a great hero in giving charity, you should give it without any payment, even to the most wretched persons. Consider that we are losing our life and that now you can restore us to life by giving us that nectar. After all, you've already given it to your flute, which is simply a hollow bamboo stick. Krishna says, 
But the diet of people in this world is the bad one of attachment to wealth, followers, family, and so forth. The particular medicine you are requested should not be given to those who have such a bad diet. But this medicine makes one forget all other attachments. So wonderful is this herbal drug that it contracts bad dietary habits. Please give that nectar to us, O hero, since you are most charitable. <laughs> Uh, so Krishna's lips, uh, nectar of his lips is uh, identified as a medicine, and it's a very powerful medicine. Uh, Shimati Radharani makes a complaint in chapter 21 in the Venu Gita. She makes a heavy case Criticizing the flute, uh, she's very, very disturbed because the flute is constantly getting the nectar of Krishna's lips. The Acharyas explain that's uh, Radharani speaking. And so that seems to be alluded to here. After all, you have already given it to your flute which is simply a hollow bamboo stick. <laughs> Why is it this, this just a bamboo stick? Why is that getting so much nectar? It's not fair. And it's enjoying it all it's, uh, by himself. And so Radharani is really uh, expressing that kind of frustration. But then um, it's explained the next verse, the immediate next verse, I think it's verse number 10, is spoken by Lalita Devi to Shimati Radharani. And uh, she is glorifying Vrindavan and highlighting how Vrindavan has received so much more blessings of Krishna because Vrindavan uh, is constantly being touched by his lotus feet. And not only that, but the whole earth is blessed uh, by Vrindavan, which is blessed by Krishna's feet. And so, his lotus feet, and so, in effect... As Amarendra Prabhu explains, Lalita Devi is telling uh, Shimati Radharani, forget about the flute. Don't worry about the flute. The flute is, this is nothing compared to uh, the mercy of what uh, Vrindavan is getting. And you, Radharani, are the queen of Vrindavan. So what's your problem? <laughs> Stop lamenting. <laughs> uh, one broad topic that uh, is suggested by, I think we can say all these verses, is the power of sweetness, of divine sweetness. Uh, the touch of Krishna's hand, the touch of his feet, the touch of his lips, uh, the, we can say, touch of his smile. Each of these uh, 
features of the Lord, as gentle as they are, have some incredible power. They have healing power. Uh, they have the power to uh, relieve from the pain of passion. Uh, they have the power to remove pride, and so on. And as soon as one speaks about power in this material world, sort of immediately adjacent to the subject of power of any kind, is politics. And I may have mentioned this um, the last year when we met. Some scholars like to say that religion and politics are two sides of the same coin. <laughs> uh, you can't really separate religion and politics. And we see that in, uh, in throughout the Bhagavatam, if we're a little attentive, we see it th uh, very thoroughly the case. And even, even, or especially in the 10th canto, take Govardhan Lila. What is it? It's politics. It's all politics because Krishna comes up with this bright idea to stage a revolt against Indra, essentially, uh, which brings about uh, the response of Indra, which leads to Krishna lifting over down hill, and so on. And by that, establishing Krishna's supremacy. Mm. Or reaffirming his supremacy. Okay, um, where are we? Verses 16 and 17. Who wants to read 16? Yes, please. Atista Sutan Vaya Pratra Bandavan Ati Vilangate Anti Achutagata Gati Vadivat Pitastavo the Gita Mohita Kitavayo Sita Castajenisi. Dear Achita, you know very well why we have come here. Who but a cheater like you would abandon young women who come to see him in the middle of the night? Enchanted by the loud song of his flute, just to see you, you have completely rejected our husbands, children, ancestors, brothers, and other relatives. Rahasi <coughs> Samvitam our minds are repeatedly bewildered as we think of the intimate conversations we had with you in secret. Feel the rise of lust in our hearts and remember your smiling face. 
your loving glances and your broad chest, the resting place of the goddess of fortune. Thus, we experience the most severe hankering for you. Hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> again, the gopis are accusing Krishna of being a cheater. Now they use the word kitava. Where do we know this word from? Verse 2 of Mahavatam. Yes. Dharma projita kaitavotra paramo nirmatsaranam satam. So kaitava dharma is condemned. And here we have the Supreme Lord himself being addressed as kitava. What kind of, what kind of religion is this? Uh, the book says all cheating dharma is rejected. And now the, th that Lord who's being praised throughout the entire book is being addressed by his uh, devotees as a cheater. I mean, in most religions, if you would, you know, if you would address, if you would call God a cheater, you would be beaten in 22 marketplaces. <laughs> so this is really quite something, I must say. So, and another point I think is uh, we're being reminded by the gopis here what just how much they've given up to be with Krishna, right? Pati sutan vayabratri bandavan ativilang ten tiachutagata. They're giving up husbands, children, ancestors, it says, uh, brothers, and other relatives. They've really, they've left everything. They're taking the supreme, you could say, social risk of giving up all. We say in English, uh, they've burned the bridges behind them. You know this expression? They've bur burned all the bridges behind them. So they're saying, look, we did it only for you. You called us. We've come. We've given everything up. Uh, and so, uh, so how can we not call you a cheater? Because you're not reciprocating as, as any, any young boy would in such a situation. Doesn't make any sense. Okay, the last two verses, um, and the final verse is, I think it's going to be in Vasant Tilaka uh, meter. Who wants to read? Can I, Maharaj? Please. Can I, Maharaj? Please. <laughs> Oh, beloved, your all auspicious appearance 
vanquishes the distress of those living in Rajas forests. Our minds long for your association. Please give to us just a bit of that medicine which counteracts the disease of your devotees' hearts. Yate sujata charanamburu hamsaneshu Bhita shanai priyada dhimahi karkasheshu O dearly beloved, your lotus feet are so soft that we place them gently on our breasts, fearing that your feet will be hurt. Our life rests only in you. Our minds, therefore, are filled with anxiety that your tender feet might be wounded by pebbles as you roam about on the forest path. Does end the purpose of the humble servant of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to the tenth canto, thirty-first chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled "The Gopi's Songs of Separation." Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, this is a short, a short chapter, as, and it's a, it's a song. Uh, and the gopis, this is also explained um, by the acharyas, that actually uh, it's one gopi after another, each one uh, singing one verse on behalf of all the other gopis. So they're taking turns and uh, singing to Krishna. And this final verse sounds more than any other as if they're so much anticipating, yes, Krishna's going to come back. They're practically saying uh, as if Krishna is already back because um, they're speaking about him placing their feet on, placing his feet on their breasts and so on. Uh, this is also the second time that they express concern about his tender feet. Uh, I think the uh, the main point, well, there's two points. One is their care and concern for Krishna's well-being, and the other is the delicacy of Krishna's feet, um, which is interesting considering he's a cowherd boy and he's going all over Braj, all all day, every day, barefoot. Nowhere else is he barefoot. He's not barefoot in Mathura or Dwaraka. Uh, not in Vaikuntha, nowhere is he barefoot, but in Braj he's barefoot. And when you go regularly barefoot, your feet become very, quite tough. But Krishna's lotus feet remain very delicate. So this delicacy is important. Good. Let's take a break and resume after 10 minutes, shall we? Hare Krishna. So, I think we can gradually proceed. Bhimala Prasad Prabhu has quoted in a chat um, Mahatma Gandhi. Those who say religion has nothing to do with politics do not, do not know what religion is. 
Yeah, I wonder I wonder if we could also turn that statement around and say that those who say that politics has nothing to do with religion don't know what politics is. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, shall we proceed? We've gone through the chapter, uh, and, well, let's just see if any of you have any general comments, anything that's particularly struck you from this chapter. Uh, perhaps thinking, thinking about it in relation to the previous two chapters, of course, uh, and possibly in terms of uh, the idea of this being a drama. I think I mentioned yesterday that this chapter is a kind of interlude. So there's, in some sense, there's no action. There's no dialogue. Uh, there's only, it's a kind of, some would say... One one could call it a monologue, and that's what Garuda Prabhu does. Um, it's another term in English is soliloquy. A soliloquy is, uh, hmm, yeah, it's a kind of monologue. I don't know what the difference is. I mentioned yesterday the famous drama Hamlet from Shakespeare in the context of a drama within a drama, or a play within a play. So Hamlet's famous soliloquy is when he uh, sort of asks to nobody in particular the question, to be or not to be, that is the question, he says. Um, that's a soliloquy. But I think more importantly, it's a song. It's the Gopi Gita. We've had the Venu Gita in chapter 21. And there's going to be another sort of song of Gopis coming up. Hmm, which chapter? Is it 47? I'm not sure. Uh, the... Brahmara Gita? Yes, Maharaj. Yeah, so, so that's coming, of course, after the Rasalila. So we've had anticipation. We've had, in a sense, a song of anticipation with the chapter 21 Venu Gita. And now here we are in the very center, you might want to say in the eye of the storm of the Rasalila, and it's the gopis uh, singing to Krishna, who is not present, or at least not visible. So we have this issue of presence and absence. Uh, 
the there's a technical term for this kind of song. Um, I believe it's Jiva Goswami says that this is pralapa, uh, which is a kind of longing, longing lamentation, I suppose you could call it. Um, Atul Krishna Prabhu, comment. Maharaj, I have a question if it is fine with you. Well, I don't know if I have an answer, but <laughs> we can see. Maharaj, it was uh, regarding like we see Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur giving commentaries. In general, even in Bhagavad Gita and others, he gives this in the form of a dialogue, what's going on in Krishna's mind and what's going on in others' mind. Here also we see dialogues. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, we understand he's a pure devotee, he can enter into the Leela or he can give us the um, commentary. But when we explain it to outsiders, how do we explain that, you know, it is not his, uh, something coming out of his just mind and it's interpretation. Why somebody is giving, you know, where it is not mentioned anywhere, neither the Acharyas before him have mentioned. How do we explain that marriage? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm not sure. It depends. I mean, all, you know, a general point about such things is it kind of depends who you're speaking with. Mm. What I, if I'm speaking to a, you know, a, a sort of wider audience, I take a, and this applies to what you're bringing up, but more generally about any number of things which would be difficult. Uh, oops, we have some somebody with the microphone on. Yeah. Uh, we need to mute some microphones. Okay. Shrinivas Gopal Prabhu, please mute yourself. Yeah, that's okay. So, uh, I mean, there's any number of things in our tradition which were which are very difficult to to take on uh, if if one is not, you know, living the tradition. Any number of things. Saying that the Bhagavatam is five thousand years old. I mean, that's you know. <laughs> What what literature is 5,000 years old? So there's any number of things. So what I generally do is I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to make the, the audience simply uncomfortable and feel like, wait a minute, you're asking me to accept something which I, I, I can't accept. Uh, so I just say... I just say, according to our tradition, this is how it is. The tradition says, uh, previous acharyas say, and we, we uh, take their authority, and that's then another discussion. Why would we take, uh, how is it that we accept their authority, and so on. Uh, but 
even without getting into that, you can just say, well, the tradition says like this. This is how it's understood. I, th- I find that the easiest way to deal with all kinds of things. Because to say something else, to say something more, uh, either you're going to fall into some kind of trap <laughs> that's going to be hard to climb out of, um, or you'll end up in effect, if it's not an if it's not nam aparad, it's something like that, where you're trying to you're expecting someone to have more faith than than you than it's appropriate to expect. And as we know, Krishna says in the Gita, "Don't uh, this uh, Bhagavad Gita is not for those." <clears throat> who are not austere and so on, who are not devoted. So that would be my general, general point. And if you're speaking with someone, an individual who is showing a lot of openness, I really want to understand this. How, how can I understand this? Uh, that such a person has such vision. And one, one point you might bring up is that within the yoga tradition, we understand there's a kind of perception which is called yoga pratyaksha or yogi pratyaksha. That there are persons uh, who, because of their highly advanced development of their uh, yogic practice have developed uh, powers of perception which they simply they go beyond uh, what we are familiar with and that's that's an important understanding also for us in general the word rishi is often translated as seer, one who sees, someone who has special vision. And uh, it's understood the Vedic Samhitas are seen by the rishis, not that they are creating, but they are seeing, and then they are composing uh, in word, in poetry, what they see where they are uh, recomposing what's already there. Yeah, so that, that would be my general way of explaining. Is that okay? Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you. Nadia Vihari Prabhu. Yes, Maharaj. I have a comment, uh, Maharaj, on this. Uh, from the conversation between Brahma and Narada, Second mm-hmm. canto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brahma says, uh, <clears throat> uh, talks about the Lord to Narada, that who is his uh, um, superior authority. And he says, whatever I'm saying is true. And uh, you might question why it is true, because one who is always thinking of the Lord and always doing devotional service, the Lord speaks through him. That is mm-hmm. why I'm, whatever I'm saying is truth, he says. So mm-hmm. if we accept that 
from Brahma. Hmm. That means if we accept somebody as Acharya or whoever is like a pure devotee, when hmm. some things come out of him, we can assume that the Lord is speaking through them in that form. Hmm. That this is in the Bhagavatam itself in the second canto. Thank you. That's very nice. Mm. Now, okay, related to this, yes, I'll get to you in a mo moment, uh, but related to this, um, <clears throat> I think we also need to be open to uh, the idea that there is for these devotees who are always thinking of Krishna, there is space for creativity. And this is a little, you know, difficult uh, ground to tread, but one example that I give is, as we all know, Srila Prabhupada was very eager to have paintings in, in his books. And so he engaged initially Jadurani Mataji um, and then others in painting. And he would describe to them, or he would give some explanation of what he wanted. And then he would say, now you go, go and do it. <laughs> and so then they, they would go ahead and paint they would bring the painting back to Prabhupada and Prabhupada would approve or sometimes he would say, no, no, um, why have you painted Krishna all alone, for example? Krishna is never alone or whatever. There were various details. Uh, and sometimes the, the painters would ask Prabhupada for details. What does Lord Vishnu hold in his hands? Um, you know, what would his dress be like, and so on. And Prabhupada would say something based on um, Shastra. And then they would paint. And, you know, there's only a, you can only get details of how to paint up to a limit. And the rest is the creativity of the devotee who's painting. The particular angle, the way the light falls, uh, the background, you know, the things like that. And um, related to this, I don't remember exact detail of when and where this was. A devotee asked Srila Prabhupada, I believe they were sitting in Prabhupada's room and there were various pictures, paintings of Krishna on the walls. And they were in very different styles, these, you know, different paintings. Um, as they say in India now, na nowadays, photo, <laughs> photo of Krishna. <laughs> so, um, and this devotee asked, so Prabhupada, how does Krishna actually look? I mean, here we have these different paintings of Krishna, and they're different. They're different from each other. So which one is, is there one here which is most accurate or what? 
And Prabhupada answered, they're all Krishna. They're all Krishna. Krishna appears in so many different ways. And one time, uh, Srila Prabhupada was on a flight and his servant sitting next to him on the flight noticed uh, that Prabhupada was on the little tray in front of him. He had set up a, a drawing of Krishna which had been given to him by one of the young children at the previous temple, wherever they were. It was a very crude painting or drawing of Krishna. But Prabhupada was sitting and he was looking, he was meditating on Krishna, looking at this crude child's rendering of Krishna's form and chanting japa. And I, I also don't remember where I read it, but um, some scholar, I believe, noted that there are certain features of Srila Sanatana Goswami's Brihad Bhagavatamrita, which are similar in structure uh, to some writings, some Persian writings of Persian literature. And so he raises the question, did Sanatana Goswami get the idea for his book from that Persian book? Sanatana Goswami was learned in Persian language, as was Rupa Goswami. Is it possible that he, you know, took some inspiration from that? And my answer would be, it's quite possible, and that's not saying anything to minimize uh, Sanatana Goswami's spiritual advancement. For Sanatana Goswami, if that's the case, that he took such inspiration, he would have certainly taken that, oh, Krishna is giving me this idea through this other literature. In other words, he's, because he's seeing Krishna in all, all different ways, he's seeing this as inspiration coming from Krishna. So it, it doesn't have to be either or, you know. Yes, Bhimala Prasad Prabhu. Yes, thank you much. Uh, in fact, you confirmed one of my understandings regarding Krishna with the different pictures. Mm. Uh, I was just going back to what we were talking about, the seer and the Rishi means a person who has vision. Yes. So uh, it's like intuition is also, uh, can be part of that. Another way of looking the same thing, it's something different. It's like intuition related to the soul. I mean, Krishna giving that inspiration, that is intuition or is something like a jugglery of the mind? How do mm. you... <laughs> well, that kind of goes over my head. I think I would want to uh, first. I have on my shelf um, a translation of Srila uh, Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. Whether he discusses this idea of intuition in his Paramatma Sandarbha, I don't know. But I would think. If he talks about it, he would talk about it there. 
Because what he does talk about, I know, just from reading the table of contents, is relationship of uh, Atma and Paramatma. It's very close. Uh, and he's explaining how, in some sense, they're non-different. In another sense, they are different. <laughs> it's a chintya, beda, abeda, tattva. And another thing, Maharaj, like I would like to just, uh, with your permission, add when we're talking about Snatan Goswami and some relation maybe to some Persian book. It's like as I, like as I have, I mean, like certain scholars I have read, they point out that even Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrit Sindhu is uh, in many ways similar to Bharatnati Shastra. And yeah. that is, there's nothing to be, to be taken personally as an offense or something, no, like no. minimizing his position. No, no, that's a, I mean, that's a whole topic, which uh, I got involved in a little bit recently uh, because I was asked to do some English editing of the introduction to the new BBT edition of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. You may like to know <clears throat> there in the process of producing a five-volume Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, this will be, you know, elaborate, elaborate everything <laughs> uh, with all of the verses, the word-for-word -word translations, translations of commentaries, extensive indexes, um, um, also appendices, uh, this is based on Banu Swami's translation. However, um, it's been a group of devotees who were trained by Gopi Paranadana Prabhu, Sanskritists, who have been rigorously going through the entire work. And, uh, well, this is being produced by the... Uh, Australian BBT, and it's being overseen by Devamrita Swami Maharaj, who told me, maybe it was last September, no, maybe it was earlier, they were hoping to get the first two, maybe three volumes out by the end of last year. Well, I don't think that happened. Um, one reason be was because of delays with the introduction uh, which I got involved with. And this is a topic that is uh, discussed in that introduction. How do we understand, you know, the whole, the whole situation with Bharata Muni and the Natya Shastra and, and the whole tradition of aesthetic theory that goes after uh, Bharat, Bharata Muni? up to Rupa Goswami. So, anyway, that's, I, I agree with you. It's nothing, it's not taking anything from, uh, it's no discredit to Rupa Goswami that he is drawing from uh, Bharata Maharaj uh, or Bharata Muni for his aesthetics. 
What can also be said is that he is giving the actual purport of what Bharata Muni wants to do. You know, Bharata Muni, just like Patanjali of the Yoga Sutras, Yoga Sutras are very, almost completely, not atheistic, but non-theistic except for maybe two or three sutras uh, in which Ishvara Pranidhana is mentioned. And it mentions that by Ishvara Pranidhana, one can achieve samadhi. And that's kind of, that's it. That's all he says. Uh, Because one explanation for this is that Patanjali wants to keep his work as having the widest appeal possible. So he doesn't want to get into anything which might be perceived as sectarian. So he uses the word Ishvara and uh, the uh, yoga classical yoga concept of Ishvara is quite minimal. Mm. But he does mention Ishvara. So then uh, you have commentaries to the Patanjali Yoga Sutras in which they draw out more, at least one commentary I know, um, brings out quite explicitly that uh, it's you have to you know, it's theistic. You have to be, you have to worship the Lord if you want to really be successful in yoga. <laughs> yeah, so kind of a parallel situation with Rupa Goswami, I would say. Right, okay. Um, then I'm going to try now. One second, yeah. Oh, before I forget, just uh, the practical side, organizational. Uh, If I got the message right, our plan is that this Friday we will not have a class. Instead, it will be on Saturday, and it will be one hour earlier than we normally meet. Is that right? Okay, so that's that works well for me, and I'm grateful to you all for making this adjustment so we can proceed with that. Okay, so now I'd like to try sharing screen. I don't know if I'm able to do that. Ah, oh, yes, okay. And uh, where am I here? Yeah, this should be it. Share. <laughs> Are you able to see this? It says, whoops. Yes, Maharaj, we can see Maharaj. 
Okay, it just disappeared from me, though. Uh-huh. Whoa, what happened? Um, <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. I have two screens here. Okay, so um, as I mentioned, this is a full translation of the five chapters of the Rasa Panchanyaya uh, done by His Grace Garuda Prabhu, who is a longtime professor of religion at uh, Christopher Newport University in Virginia, USA. And he also teaches at uh, Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California. He's also published a, his own translation and discussion of the Bhagavad Gita by the same publisher. This is Princeton University Press. And I think it's been republished uh, in India, so it may be available in India for a much more reasonable price than in America. So, sorry? I think it's available, Maharaj. Available, yes. Um, okay, just to sample this a little bit, I suggest let's go back to verse number one of uh, chapter 31. And we can do a little comparison. As you see, uh, the format of Garuda's translation is different. He makes it more as poetry. And he emphasizes this very much in his explanation that uh, the Rasa Panchadhyaya, specifically the Bhagavatam in general, except for some passages in the fifth and sixth cantos, is it, uh, which are prose Sanskrit. Otherwise, it's in the form of verse. Uh, he does not try to keep a line-by-line -line translation, so it's not that, you know, the first line, Jayati Tehidikam, Janmanabraja is going to coordinate specifically, necessarily, with the first line here. But I think he attempts as far as possible. So two lines here would be one line in uh, the Sanskrit. So he says, the gopis spoke, glorious is Vraja, surpassing all, for it is the land of your birth. Indeed, the goddess Indira resides in this place forever. O beloved, please allow your maidservants to see you. Their very life breath is sustained in you, and they search for you everywhere. Now let's go back to... Uh, the well, we're not able to see the screen which you are reading. I oh, you, you don't see it. Yes, Maharaj. Oh, I was thought I heard you saying you do see it. Um, okay, we'll see. Now what, it's coming up. 
Oh, now it's coming up. Okay, so if I put it up there. Okay, that's interesting. Let's do this again. The gopis spoke, glorious is Vraja, surpassing all, for it is the land of your birth. Indeed, the goddess Indira resides in this place forever. O oh, beloved, please allow your maidservants to see you. Their very life breath is sustained in you, and they search for you everywhere. So then let's go back to the uh, translation of the devotees of the BBT, Gopi Paranadana Prabhu and Ridainanda Goswami. It says, the gopis said, O beloved, O beloved, your birth in the land of Raja has made it exceedingly glorious. And thus Indira, the goddess of fortune, always resides here. Uh, so they say always, and Garuda says forever. It is only for your sake that we, your devoted servants, maintain our lives. And he says, their very life breath is sustained in you. Mm. And they use, he uses the third person instead of the first. Uh, we have been searching everywhere for you, so please show yourself to us. Uh, Garuda says, O oh, beloved, please allow your maidservants to see you. Exclamation point. And he puts the searching part with the life breath aspect. Their very life breath is sustained in you and, and they search for you everywhere. So there are, one might say, depending on your mood, you may say this is, uh, these are significant differences or they're not significant differences <laughs> in translation. And I'm sure justification could be found for both uh, to go, you know, carefully through the Sanskrit. Uh, and I know Garuda spent a long time working on this. Um, and I'm sure Gopi Paranadana Prabhu and Ridai Nandamaraj also. So one point is simply that it's possible to have different translations of the same work, the same text. And they can bring out, we may want to say, different flavors. Let's take the next verse. Uh, let's read this, uh, the BVT translation first. O Lord of love, in beauty, your glance excels the whirl of the finest, most perfectly formed lotus within the autumn pond. O, best, o bestower of benedictions, you are killing the maidservants who have given themselves to you freely 
without any price? Isn't this murder? And Garuda says, with your eyes, you steal the beauty of the center of an exquisite, fully bloomed lotus flower rising out of a serene autumn pond. O Lord of love, and it is killing us, your voluntary maidservants. O bestower of benedictions in this world, is this not murder? <laughs> so in one sense, he's made it one sentence. Whereas in the translation, BBT, it's uh, three sentences. He's made one sentence which functions as two sentences because of this little M dash. O bestower of benedictions in this world, is this not murder? That's like a, a full sentence. <clears throat> um, one difference is in the BBT, it says, you are killing the maidservants who have given themselves to you freely. And Garuda says, um, the, your eyes are killing us. So, okay, that's an interesting difference. Shall we look at one more? Uh, maybe let's look at verse number nine. This is the famous one. Tavakatamritam. Okay, the uh, BBT translation, it's quite long, actually. It's uh, three, seven, almost seven lines. The nectar of your words and the descriptions of your activities are the life and soul of those suffering in this material world. These narrations transmitted by learned sages eradicate one's sinful reactions and bestow good fortune upon whoever hears them. These narrations are broadcast all over the world and are filled with spiritual power. Certainly those who spread the message of Godhead are most munificent. And Garuda writes, your words of nectar described by sages and poets are, are life for the suffering, destroy all sins, and are auspicious to hear. Those who extol your praises through the world are the most generous persons, bestowing the greatest riches. So that's, it's a lot shorter, so it's a lot more compact, we may want to say. Uh, and it certainly has a different flavor 
And um, yeah, there's some other features about it, which are different. Of course, Sanskrit lends itself that way also. Uh, Sanskrit, as I'm sure many of you know, uh, is not mm, depending on word order, unlike unlike many modern languages, English certainly. Uh, in English, one if you if you mix up words, it can mean something completely different. Uh, but in Sanskrit, because it's a highly inflected language, I guess it's one reason in any case, because it's so highly inflected grammatically, it's possible to put the words anywhere uh, in, the, in the sentence or in the verse. And then by what's called anvaya, you put them in the order that would be a sort of normal reading order. Uh, but... Uh, then you have multiple meanings of individual words. And not in this verse, but, well, there's one samasa here. There's one compound. But when you have compounds, especially when it's multiple compounds with several elements, then it becomes possible to translate them in so many different ways. Uh, just by the way the grammar works. Okay, I just wanted to show you a little, uh, some of this. In, um, in Garuda's book, uh, of course, he doesn't just translate, he's also giving quite extensive tr uh, explanation, but he does it thematically. So, for example, uh, chapter 2, Aspects of the Story. He has framing passages, poetic and dramatic dimensions. Explains who is Krishna. Explains who, what is Vraja. Who is Yoga Maya. Who are the gopis. And then he explains who is Radha. And then he has a section, uh, messages of the text. So devotional yoga transcends death. This is one message. There are ethical boundaries and there is boundless love uh, is discussed. The vision of devotional love. What is this thing called bhakti? And then symbolism. Uh, I don't know, it's been a while since I read what he discusses there. And then he has notes for all of the verses. So, for example, if we go to Act 3, um, I think it's here, he explains the meter, and he explains that these are, yeah, he uses the word soliloquy, and... Uh, that's too small. Um, somewhere here, he talks about... Yes, this is Pralapa. Yes, it's Jiva Goswami who explains that 
the entire third chapter, what he calls third act, uh, is pralapa. Pralapa is one of the nine characteristics found within a certain type of vipralamba, or separation in devotional love, known as pravasa. This special type of separation involves the parting of lovers who were previously intimately associated but have been separated by being in different places. Many of the qualities found within both pravasa and pralapa, such as anxiety, trembling, torment, madness, bewilderment, and dying can be observed here. Uh, and then he points out about this uh, presence of both madhurya, which he characterizes as intimacy, and his greatness, aishvarya. Praise of these attributes of intimacy yields expressions of passion, whereas glorification of his omnipotence and divine power yields expressions of humility. In both cases, there is often a weaving together of reflective and emotive qualities. Emotive meaning to do with emotion, reflective uh, meaning being more analytical. For example, in the first verse of the act, the coward maidens state that Vraja is wonderful since it is the place of Krishna's birth. But in the same breath, they express both the desperation of looking for Krishna and their absolute dependence on him. Uh, and then he gives example, uh, which verse? Uh, this is verse 2, yeah. Oops. Mm. With your eyes you steal the beauty of the center. Yeah, we read this. So they're describing uh, what his eyes do. So that's being descriptive. And then... Uh, they burst out in emotion. O oh, Lord of love, and is it killing us? And it is killing us, your voluntary maidservants, O oh, bestower of benedictions in this world. Is this not murder? <laughs> so that's very strong emotion suddenly being expressed. So, uh, but then... I just wanted to explain uh, the structure of this part of his book. So then uh, he gives notes, um, verse by verse, for the entire book. So here he, he says, the gopis spoke, gopya uchuhu. Um, and he gives some explanation based on, B.B. refers to uh, Sridhar Swami's commentary, so he's basing a lot on the commentaries from the Acharyas. Um, SD is Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur Sarartha Deepika. Uh, so he's going mm, not with every word, but with uh, selected words, he's giving explanation. So, Drishyatam, uh, 
Uh, this comes in the first verse. Trishyatam. Grammatically, this imperative verb can mean quite the opposite, as in, please look at us, or please come to see us. Alternative readings of this imperative verb have been suggested. Quote, you should be seen by us, or these gopis should be seen by you. You should search for them. But meanings in this ambiguity apply. Both meanings in this ambiguity apply. But the former is more consistent with the maiden's words expressing their search for Krishna. Yeah, so like that, it's giving explanations. Okay. So I think our time has already come to an end for today. And um, let us continue tomorrow. If you have any further thoughts on this chapter, we can discuss tomorrow in the beginning. Mm, and uh, we can proceed with the next chapter. What is the next chapter? The Reunion. So... This will be uh, the fulfillment of the gopis' desires. The Lord will reappear. All right. So thank you all very much. And I wish you a very nice remainder of the day, the evening. And we will see you all same time tomorrow. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Ananta Koti Vaishnavarinda Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Nitai Gora Premanande. Thank you, Mr. Shitra Swami Maharaj. Thank you, Mr. Shitra Swami Maharaj.